Welcome to another episode of Aussie Earful. Uh, we're here again after a bit of a hiatus, difficulties organising time slots with uh, our main man Greg overseas. Hey Greg. Hey Ruben, how's it going? Yeah, not too bad. How's overseas treating you? Oh, very well, mate. Uh, apart from the multiple time zones that I've been floating through over the last month to trying to get, you know, a time where we can sit down and have a chat. It's, uh, it's been good. It's been really good. So today, Greg, we're talking about the Housing Future Fund and free teaching degrees in Victoria. So both of these pretty spicy little topics, government spending big bucks. Something that I know you love. Big fan well, of it, government mate. spending. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I guess we'll start off with the Housing Future Fund. So have you heard much about this, Greg? Um, when you sent me a message about it, I did have a, a quick look into, the, well, what they're trying to do with it. But uh, I think you, you're probably much more well-versed on it than I am. Yeah, probably. I've done quite a bit of research on this one. And I'll get to why at the end, because there's a specific reason that raged me on this one. But I'll start us off. So what is the fund? It's a $12 billion future fund where the government invests $10 billion into the stock market and high yield accounts to try and try and gather a return on the money and then spend all of that base and all of that return money on building homes for the future. So under the plan, um, the government plans on building 30,000 new buildings um, over the five-year time period, though no timeline is given on when the construction will start. Um, the funds... Um, oh, so, so the fund will include at least 500 a guarantee that at least 500 million will be spent per year from the fund um so that's going to be a minimum of 1200 homes being built in each state and territory across the five-year period ensuring that um the, the funding is shared equally across the country uh, it'll also include 200 million for repairs and maintenance and improvement of housing in remote indigenous communities uh, and 100 million will go towards transitional housing options for victims of dv and 30 million will be for veterans experiencing or at risk of homelessness so on the surface sounds like a pretty good little fund um obviously it seems like it's a little bit up in the air at the moment in terms of how it'll all actually work. <laughs> you know, nothing seems too concrete on, on what will happen and, and how the money will be exactly allocated and you know plans put out. But a good idea on the surface by the sounds of it. Yeah, it's, it's a bit of a consistent theme, I think, with this government lately where things aren't very concrete. Uh, like I think I think every week we come into this podcast and there's a new government initiative that doesn't have much, you know, concrete uh, evidence or planning around it. So that just seems like another one of those. Really, ten billion dollars. We're we'll guarantee to spend two and a half billion. There'll be twelve hundred homes in each state, uh, but we'll try to build thirty thousand. Uh, so, you know. Uh, there, there's a lot of numbers that don't really match up there, but we'll, <laughs> I suppose if this gets through, has it has it been voted through? Is it uh, has it gone through Parliament yet, or is this just the the initial sort of? Um, uh, um, I believe it's gone through now. And, uh, so yep. initially, the Labor government was having trouble passing it because they weren't getting the supports of the support of the Greens. Um, no. However, the Greens ended up, you know voting for it with a few concessions from the Labor government, um, which okay. which we can get into a little bit more. I, I believe that $500 million a year spend was one of those concessions. Mm. Uh, so it is, it okay. is, if it hasn't passed, it, it is going to pass now because it's got, it's got support uh, through, you know, the Labor, the Labor Party and the Green Party. Okay. So I, the first thing you're probably asking me, Greg, is why we need a fund like this. So I don't know if you know this, but 
Australia's got a bit of a housing crisis. <laughs> oh, no, no, didn't know, mate. Haven't. <laughs> you know, you have to live under a rock to not know that. <laughs> you probably are living under rocks now because of the housing crisis. But anyway, continue. <laughs> yeah, true. All right. So, effectively, yeah, there's a, there's a housing crisis going on. Uh, demand for housing continues to go up, um, and so therefore does the price. So. Why the increased demand? So Australia's migrant population is expected to have grown by more than 700,000 between 2022 and 2024 financial years. So a huge increase in our population through migration. Um, faster than expected returns of international students and working holiday makers following the reopening of borders. Um, and leading economists have said effectively you can't have this number of people moving into Australia with our current housing situation. So we've got huge amounts of inflow, huge amount of increased demand from this inflow, uh, but no, you know, no houses to, to compensate for that. So our supply is much lower than our demand, raising the prices of not just houses, but the cost of rent. Um, so rent has increased from $461 back in September 2020 to now $595 per week. So, yeah, renters are feeling it. Uh, and so obviously are your property owners as interest rates have increased. So increase, I think, for, for, interest, uh, for mortgages has gone up like $1,500 um, since it's low in in 2020 um which is like i think like i forget exactly what it was what was the percentage rate a four percent interest rate um increase yeah because what was what was the yeah. interest rates back back at its low in 2020 like <laughs> point god was it like point one it was and then now it's like 4.1 so i think it's it's the highest it's been for like a decade or something interest rates um, and obviously, as as mortgages increase, you know, investors who have who have bought properties have increased their their rent to cover their mortgages on their investment properties and whatnot. Um, so, yeah, everyone's everyone's being burnt. Homeowners are burnt from mortgage rate increases, uh, and then renters are burnt from rental increases. Um, and not only that, the cost of building a new house has gone up. So. Uh, the ABS reports that the cost of building a new house in Queensland has increased 42% since the onset of COVID-19. Damn. Yeah. That's massive. 42% in what, like three, three years? Yeah, absolutely wow. stuffed. So it's just so much more expensive to build new houses now. Um, so obviously the impact of all of this is increased homelessness. So more than 1600 people have been pushed to homelessness per month. Um, and homeless services or requirements for homeless services have, uh, risen 7.5% across Australia. So in total, an extra 6,658 people looking for help, um, you know, for homelessness. Um, so yeah, it's, it's not good. Um, people are, people are suffering. Uh, the infrastructure can't handle this. So when you annualize this demand and add it to the existing people turned away, we're looking at a funding shortfall in homeless infrastructure of $450 million. Hmm. Only. <laughs> sounds sounds like it, it could cost us a lot more than 450 million the with those numbers you're um you're bringing up there with like what 1600 people a month being homeless yeah so that's that's 450 million dollar shortfall on our current funding for homeless infrastructure that's Fuck. not what it's costing us that's yeah. the shortfall and it's probably only going to get worse the way this is looking with uh if if building costs have increased 42% and and we're having this mass immigration it doesn't doesn't look like that's going to get any better for anyone like even if you can afford it just the just basic demand and supply will say that people will be without somewhere to live yeah i mean 
once again, I mean, that's why that's why the government is like, we need this this future fund. Mm. We need something to. We need to we need to look at doing something to combat the crisis, right? Yeah. So obviously, the Labor government's position is, the future fund, is the solution. We're going to build a bunch of houses. We've got this this fund that's going to be spending five hundred million dollars a year building thirty thousand new houses. This will put a dent in the in the um, the housing crisis. Mm. Coalition, so the opposition has has said that it's just borrowing money and increasing our sovereign debt. So they're against it. Yeah. Um, they believe that the housing future fund is is really just going to cause more inflation. Um, because the government will be spending more money. So I suppose there's probably something to that. Though, you know, I mean, I, I kind of think this is a, a crap argument, really. I mean, what's the government meant to do? Like, n- not try and find a solution? Like, the, yeah. the coalition is don't spend money, you'll, you'll increase inflation. Don't borrow money, you'll increase our debt. But it's like, we've got a crisis that we need to solve. What are you going to do about it? Like, just not let, not do anything? because you're afraid of, of the future impact. Yeah, well, exactly. What Have they come up with a better idea to, to fix this issue? I, I, haven't hear, I haven't heard anything groundbreaking from them in, in, on how we're going to solve this issue. Exactly. I mean, this, this, is the, this is the problem with politics now, right, is that it's just all party politics. Like, the, I, don't, I feel like the coalition is just against this just because yeah, Labour is for it. Yeah. I totally agree with you. It's it's more about feelings and which side of politics you're on rather than actually trying to figure out what's best for, you know, your country at this point in time. Yeah, exactly. So, it's yeah, exactly. It's just what's best for the party, not what's yeah. best for the people. And it's like, think about the people. Mm-hmm. Don't worry about your party politics. Yeah. You know, if you've got good policies, you'll win elections. But anyway, then we move on to the Greens. So the Greens, this is the, the, the thing that, caught my eye when when you know reading the news and 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 reading up on this subject (laughs) so i'll start us off with with all what it's all about so the greens have agreed to the fund after the funding spending concessions made by labor um but they feel as though it doesn't go far enough so the the funding uh, spending concessions uh being you know those the indigenous spend um the dv spend stuff like that i think that the 500 million dollar guarantee spend i think that was all of the greens ideas which is which is pretty good on the surface Mm -hmm. um but they feel as though it doesn't go far enough stating that thirty thousand houses to be built is dwarfed by the six hundred and fifty thousand social and affordable housing demand so they're saying that the fund doesn't go far enough uh, the Greens have also argued that this legislation leaves out renters and would like to see rent freezes and ultimately make rent increases illegal and have stated they see themselves as the party of renters. Like, <laughs> I've heard some dumb things in my life, but that's probably one of the dumbest. Like, who, who, does, who does the Greens think is building houses yeah like (laughs) it's like who's going to invest investors yeah who's going to invest to build these houses that you need if they can't make a return on them yeah exactly i mean no one's no one is going to invest in property in australia anymore if they think that the greens are going to curtail any opportunity they have to make a return on investment yeah and not only this this talk of of them being the party of renters it's it's just ridiculous. Like I voted for the Greens in the last election because I was I believe in strong believer in climate change. I think something needs to be done about it. And I thought, you know, let's let's give the Greens some more seats so we can start having more serious conversations about climate change. And now the now the Greens are coming out and they're like, screw you, you know, you're not a renter. I'm also a landlord. So then they're also saying they want to, they've pretty much stated that they want to screw my investments. Basically. <laughs> like, 
you're not they're turning voters away yeah you're not you're not allowed to believe in um climate change and have an investment property Ruben how dare you that's that's not how that's not how it works okay clearly I am the you are (laughs) so (laughs) the other thing that that strikes me with with this you know not allowing like banning rent increases and, and trying to I don't know stomp out any sort of attractiveness of investing in property is who does the greens think is is developing all of these properties as well yeah like who in make like having investment properties buying investment properties and and renting them out it's the middle class the middle class is the per, is the other people who are doing all of this so not only are the middle class the highest taxed but now the greens are like we also want your investments to go to shit. <laughs> so 2.24 million Aussies own an investment property. So over 20% of Australia's 11.4 million taxpayers okay. own an investment property. So that was from 2019 yep. to 2020 financial year. So the working Aussie age, uh, the, working, the working Aussie is the, is the highest um, portion of, of property uh, investment property owner in Australia. So it's the working class, mm-hmm. the working middle class with, with the investment properties. So that's who the Greens are really going to be burning with their, you know, destroy investment property market. They're going to be hurting the middle class. And that's just yeah. what drives me mad is, is the Greens just... just trying to trying to come up with all these like idealist you know policies that that don't have any basis i think that's where the greens and labor uh, i think uh miss the mark at the moment because uh, as like labor at its core is to look after that middle class uh you know working family core um look look after people that sort of build the country but i think they've gone so far away from that uh to as as you say sort of how would I put this nicely? Uh, virtue signal uh, to certain, you know, groups within society that scream the loudest, rather than looking at what's best for the economy in Australia as a whole. And and that, that's why I, at this point in time, would never vote for a green or a Labor government. I don't really want to vote for a Liberal government either. So don't don't put me in that camp either. To be honest, um, but I, I think governments have gone away from. Um, Thinking about like what's what's best and looking at the problem uh, logically and uh, and the data behind it rather than emotionally and trying to trigger people emotionally into feeling one way or another and and I think this is going to be probably one of the biggest issues in Australia for a long long time with as you know like there's going to be so many immigrants over the next you know three to four years and they say they're going to build thirty thousand houses but also, who's going to build those 30,000 houses? Who's going to, you know, at the moment, you can't get a tradie to do anything. Like, I want to get floorboards repaired and I can't get anyone because the job is too small and it's not worth their while to come out and fix anything for me. Uh, and if the cost of building's gone up 42%, say in Queensland, uh, you've got a labour shortage in general. As you know, like, unemployment is at the lowest it's been for a long, long time. So as much as this is a good idea, I don't think they've thought of everything that goes into it either. And yeah, I think it's a long way away from uh, being, uh, you know, in, in a place where it'll actually help anyone. Sure. Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I actually like Labor overall. I think it's, I don't, I wouldn't say that they're, a, you know, get too caught up in virtual signaling personally. I mean, obviously, I guess that depends on what your beliefs are on, you know, certain political issues and, you know, social policy. Um, I think Labor, you know, generally generally do fight for the middle class. Um, like I said, I voted for the Greens in the last election, but, you know, the way that they've they've been acting against you know property owners and in, and property investors, 
has kind of started to turn me away. I mean, once again, they, they've stated that they're the, they're the party of renters. Well, it's like, well, I'm not a renter, so you're just telling me that I shouldn't even bother wasting my time voting for you. Yes. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I mean, I mean, I've kind of been turned off the greens quite a bit now. Um, but but Labour, I don't know. I think, I think they do a pretty solid job. I mean, Liberals and Labour, I feel like at the end of the day, a lot of their policies, especially economically, kind of... Um, they don't differ very much. Yeah. Um, maybe a little bit, but but not very much. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I, I I think I think Labor does an okay job. But you're right. You do raise an, an interesting point on who's actually going to do the work to build these these mm. thirty thousand new houses. Like, what does that actually look like? And you know, the government often gets they. I'm not sure exactly how it works. Do they have to use unions or is it just they have like preferred suppliers who are, who are unionized suppliers? Do you know? Yeah, that's a that, that, that's another um, spicy topic with the unions. We could probably talk about that one next time. But um, I think basically all government... I know in Queensland, all government sites are union sites. So I'm not sure about the rest of the country. I'll probably have to look into that. That'd be that'd be a cool topic for next week, actually. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. We'll look into that one. That's a good one. But yeah, I mean, I imagine there will be some sort of perverse outcome in a way where it's like the builders know that the government's guaranteed five hundred million dollars spend, and they've got a ten billion dollar you know fund backing it. So the builders mm. jack up their prices and pad out their margins <laughs> in order yeah. to maximize their profits. Um, mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, my thoughts on the, the housing fund is the government needs to do something. Yep. Um, I haven't seen any compelling um, alternative solutions put forward by the opposition or by any of their smaller parties. So overall, I think this is, this is a pretty good idea. I mean, like I said, I mean, there's going to be flaws. There's going to be problems. But the government's got to do something, and I think they're showing that they're going to do something. Yeah, and I, I agree with you that something does need to happen. Um, this has a long way to go, obviously. Uh, there's a lot of water to go under the bridge with this um, uh, this fund, but I, I really do hope it, it improves something. And But they, they need to look at all these issues um, around cost, as you said. We don't want uh, builders ripping everyone off. Once this comes in, because as you know, governments aren't great with controlling spending, so I don't expect them to control this well. Um, but at the end of the day, something needs to be done, and I hope um, there's some action. Um, and if it doesn't work, you just change and adjust, and you know, make those changes to improve the uh, the outcome that you that you're currently getting. Yeah. So you said before that you don't you don't think the Greens represent the middle class so much anymore. And then I don't think Labor represents the middle class. And uh, oh, sorry, not the Greens. Yeah, yeah sorry, Labor. Labor yeah. doesn't represent the middle class anymore. Yeah. And you also said you got your issues with the Liberals. Like, who who do you see as the alternative? Like, I, I mean, yeah, I, that's we're not a two party system, but we are. I, that, that that's that's the problem I have currently is I I don't see an alternative, and I think all all the parties at the moment don't. I said, as I said, they focus too much on emotion of an issue rather than what's really going to help in the long run. And as as someone who doesn't like to get emotions involved in making decisions, uh, I'm very I'm very black and white when it comes to like data and statistics and and outcomes. I I just I don't see any party or any person that um, will provide. Australia with the direction it needs, Either like that be state or federal. So I'd really love a strong politician to come in and just take this thing by the balls and say, we need action here, here and here. It doesn't have to be perfect on how he's going to do it. And I don't expect him or her to know what they're like exactly how they're going to do it. But I, I want to see some action and some real data and, you know, some progress rather than just talking about how we feel about something and telling me you're you're the party of the renters or you're the party of this. So I don't care, mate. Make my life better. I 
we elect you to work for us. I pay my taxes, stupid amount of taxes, that being, and I don't see much return for it. So go out there and improve. We do live in a great country, uh, better than, I'd say, basically any other country in the world in a lot of ways. But we need our politicians to grow a pair and actually start making I mean, decisions that help. Couldn't you say that, that Australia is, you know, in, such, in the position that it is where it's such a great country to live in and, and you know, com- comparatively to, to other countries, mm. it is like that because of the politicians we've had? Yeah, the politicians we have had. And, and, and maybe it's that or maybe it's a bit of luck. But in in the current state, I don't feel like I don't feel like there's many politicians that are worth their weight. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I I, I don't think you're gonna. You can't in Australia. You really can't have just one dude come in and make a big difference because you know we're a parliamentary democracy. It requires a lot of. It requires a party to do anything, right? Mm. Um. So, yeah. I mean. I, I don't know. I think, I think you're right in that. Sometimes the government gets caught up in like all the politics of it, and you know, trying to pander to voters a little bit, um, or who they think their voting base is. But overall, I think I think our politicians do it do an okay job. I mean, there's, there's always a perverse outcome, um, you know, due due to whatever policy that they make but at the end of the day it's just because that's that's just always what's going to happen i feel i mean maybe maybe i i don't maybe i've got too pessimistic of a view of politicians so i don't actually expect very much <laughs> you don't hold them to the standard i do ruben that's the problem you don't i don't hold them to the standards you do i mean yeah. i like what you say where you got like a you know you got data um you know, focused politicians who, who give you the stats and the numbers and why they're doing the things they're doing. Yeah. Um, and I think, and you know, you, the government, the, the other issue is, right, is that, that there's so many people in Australia that the government needs to be um, supporting who all don't have the same interests, right? Yeah. No matter what, you're never going to have one guy who's like, hey, I'm going to come through and... And make everybody happy with my policies. Someone's always going to be burnt or or feel as I don't expect everyone to be happy. I don't want them to make me happy. I want them to do what's right for the country, and and I think that's where people get lost in politics sometimes, and especially in our current era. Like you, you as i said it's it's black or white there is this is working or this isn't working or we tried this and it didn't work and we're going to try this now because of x y and z i'm not going to do this because i feel like it and it's the nice thing to do i don't care about the nice thing to do i care about the right thing to do it's facts not feelings because at the end of the day we need strong leaders like in charge of our country states local electorate, whatever it is. And I, and, I, and I don't think people getting caught up in the feelings of everyone and trying to make everyone happy is, going, is actually going to end up making anyone happy, really, because you're not fixing any issues. You're just pandering to people's emotions. Fix the issues that actually trouble your fellow countrymen. Fix these housing issues. Fix the divide between... Um, Indigenous people and Australians, if there is one or whatever you think the issue is there, go in and fix those issues. Don't go in as as they are with a voice, I think, and emotionally blackmail people into voting for something because otherwise they're going to be, dare I say it, racist if you don't vote one way. So step away from the feelings and, and get towards fixing something. Fair enough. So bringing it back <laughs> to our actual subject, which was the yes. housing fund. So, I mean, I, I shared my thoughts at the end there, which was I think ultimately this is a good thing and, and this is yep. the government in a step in the right direction to, to fix the, the housing problem. What are your final mm. thoughts? I think it's also a step in the right direction. Something needs to be done about the housing crisis. Uh, get it going. Like 
ramp this thing up, uh, start spending money where it needs to be spent. And if it doesn't work, say you stuffed it up and it didn't work and move on and change it and adjust. So we do get an outcome that's, you know, desirable so that we, you know, we have we don't have rent are blowing up every year. We don't have this ridiculous increase in the cost of, you know, building houses and that makes sure there is houses for Australians to live in um, at the end of the day. So uh, I don't care how you do it as long as you get it done. And if you stuff it up the first time, change it and go again. Good final thought, I reckon. So moving on to our next topic which is another one that I imagine you'll find spicy, is free <laughs> teaching degrees in Victoria. So Victoria is proposing, as it sounds, teaching degrees for free for students. Um, so the Andrews Labor government, who's Andrews now resigned, but that's a topic for another day. Um, the Andrews Labor government will make will make studying to become a teacher in secondary school in Victoria free with scholarships covering the cost of the degree to help boost uh, school the school workforce and support hardworking teachers. So an investment of up to ninety three point two million will be provided. Um, will provide new scholarships to support teaching degrees, students with the cost of studying and living. Um, the total scholarships for students who complete their studies and then choose to work in state secondary school will be $18,000 for four-year undergrad program or $9,000 for two years of postgraduate study. So through scholarships and investment in, in more scholarships, Victoria is going to have uh, teaching degrees in university effectively become free. So the reason that we need to do this would be the first question is there's just not enough teachers. So just as we have a housing supply problem, we have a teacher supply problem. So the federal <laughs> government projects there will be a shortage of 4,000 high school teachers by 2025. Um, so of those who do start a teaching degree, only 50% finish. And those who finish, 20% are leaving after less than a year or less than three years rather. Um, so experts have pointed to teaching degree fees and the burden of unpaid placement, placing pressure on students amid the cost of living crisis. So um, not enough teachers. Victoria is saying free teaching degrees to solve it. What do you reckon, Greg? Is this a good policy? Look, I'll give you my um, overarching view on this whole topic. And I think that uh education that be of university standard or tape should be free to everyone in australia whoa that's uh that's uh socialist europe that's socialist europe <laughs> i think education is one of the most important factors in how successful a, a country will be and is and for a country like us where we pay so much tax, I don't think there should be any reason why we can't, like we used to um, back in the 80s um, and earlier, provide a free university degrees to um, our citizens. Because uh, I, 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 that's how highly I think um, education should be treated. Uh, you're probably shocked that I'm actually shocked at something I said. That's good. <laughs> so um, I, I do, I do like this um, this way of thinking from the Andrews government. I can't believe I said that. Uh, so yeah, I would have never have guessed <laughs> that you would have felt that way about university degrees. Now, honestly, I think Australia is actually, out of the Western countries, Australia is actually one of the lower tax-paying countries. Is it? <laughs> so, so we pay less than most European countries. We pay, pay less than the United States. Um, now, obviously, European countries have a, a lot more um, provided to them by their government, mm -hmm. a, a lot more, a, a, a lot bigger social security net, 
yep. social welfare net. Um, a lot of those European countries do have free degrees, so their taxpayer dollars actually do go to something. Yep. Um, I mean, I'm not sure about the United States. I think that just goes to their military and their atrocious healthcare system. <laughs> um, but, but Australia, we're actually pretty lucky in terms of how much we pay tax. Uh, it's, it's pretty low um, comparatively to our, our Western counterparts. So I think if we were to do free degrees for everyone, the tax, the tax rate would increase significantly. Or you could spend the tax money more wisely and then you could provide free education to Australians. But I mean, where do you take the taxpayers? Where do you take the tax dollars from? Like they have to come from somewhere. Um, this is a whole. We could spend hours on this. <laughs> but um, if if you have an income tax rate of forty five percent, which we do in Australia for people who earn over one hundred eighty thousand dollars, there is. I don't think there is any reason why we should not be able to provide, if not free, cheaper education to Australian citizens. I'm just, I'm just amazed. I never would have thought you would be pro-free university. Uh, you know what? I actually like this policy as well. And we'll, we'll get into both sides and, and differing opinions on this in just a moment. Um, but just to further explain what's happening in teaching. So... 70% of teachers are actually considering leaving the profession already. So that, that's currently employed teachers. So an extraordinary amount of teachers hate their job. <laughs> um, and, and obviously, yeah, struggling to get people in. So Victoria's deputy president of AEUs, uh, which is, I guess, the education body, um, has said that the commitment was a good first step, but more is needed, um, saying that the primary problem is teachers are overworked and um, has suggested that we actually have retention payments as a short-term solution of keeping teachers in, the, in, in their field, uh, which is an interesting idea. So what are your thoughts on that real quick? Retention payments for teachers. Look, I, I don't know. Is that going to really that fix the problem it may short term for a year or so but then you're probably going to expect a retention payment all the time so i think you fix again you're looking at a really easy fix for a bigger problem and i think there's better solutions to that like just improving teacher pay in general uh, especially in the public public system and i think if you gave teachers a fair deal and uh, made their jobs easier uh, and, and made them want to come to work more, it would keep them around rather than this one-off payment. Gosh, Greg, you're actually, have you been reading up on this? Because you're, you're, you're <laughs> skipping ahead. So I'll just skip to it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so the international evidence for increasing financial incentives for, for um, teachers to, uh, people to join teaching degrees is, is a little bit um, mixed. So... It will increase enrollment, but it tapers off quickly once the incentive is removed. So, you know, it'll, it'll, while there is an incentive to do the, the degree, it'll stick around. But as soon as you take that away, it's not like teaching is a more attractive proposition. Um, yep. but, but what most teachers are saying is the problem is just the workload, really. So a lot of them aren't, a lot of teachers aren't necessarily money motivated. Um, or yeah. the money that, that they're currently getting is, is motivation enough, but the workload is just absurd. So they've got like new curriculum coming in all the time. For university students, they've got to do, um, I don't know, like months of placement, which is unpaid placement, you know, rurally or even around the cities. So, you know, they've got to work a job to earn money, but they also have to do free teaching placements for their university degrees so yeah. it's just a, a bit of a financial burden so what a lot of teachers actually want is just a reduction in workload um, and now i suppose a part of that reduction in workload is getting more teachers into the field oh, that, but how do you get yeah. more teachers into the field when everyone's scared of the workload so it's almost like self-fulfilling teachers leave and make the workload worse or people don't join the teaching profession and the workload never gets better um but yeah, I mean uh, that that's that's been 
pretty much the, the, the major suggestion is, is somehow reducing the workload for teachers to, to solve the problem. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, there's been, there's been um, proposals, yeah, to reduce the, the amount of times the curriculum changes for teachers so that the, that'll help reduce it, I suppose. Um, but yeah, like I said, I imagine getting more people in will, will actually be a, a big help as well. So maybe increase the, the amount of teachers that are a minim- the minimum amount of teachers required to be in a school so that there's more teachers covering the workload. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree with you. There's got to be something else done other than just a once-off payment because I, I don't know what you'd be like, but if someone, if I was in a job I hated and I knew nothing was going to change, but they said, hey, hang on for like three months and I'll give you 20K, I'd be like, sweet, I'm going to hang on for twenty the three months, take that 20K and piss off as soon as they pay that into my bank yeah, account. Yeah, true. So, <laughs> look, at the end of the day, we've all got to look after ourselves uh financially if we can and so i don't think a one-off payment's going to do any good as you said we've got to look at other ways to fix it um like you know more teachers less students per class better infrastructure less you know curriculum changes all that sort of stuff i think will make a bigger difference um than a one-off payment yeah yeah but you're pro the free teaching degrees good I am as well. I am as well. Yep. I think it's a. I think it's a, ultimately a good idea. I mean, I, I think I actually think that there's probably changes they need to make to, like you said, uh, amount of students to a single teacher. I would say that the money would probably be better spent solving that. But I suppose you need you need the bodies, you need the teachers to do that to to get into the field before you can even start to solve that. So it's actually, I suppose, it's a very complex problem. But overall, I support it. Uh, obviously, there is a teaching crisis going on as well. Um, so I, I applaud the Victorian government and, and your favourite man, Dan Andrews, for having a crack at solving it. I can't believe I'm agreeing with a bloke or his party's policies, but um, as, as I don't agree with... I don't think either of us agree with the payment part, but, um, yeah, free teaching degrees, you know, increase supply um because the demand's there because education's not going anywhere we're going to have uh, as you said the pop we got that population growth that's a, that's the other issue there as well same with the housing you're going to have all these people immigrating to australia and possibly families with young children and you're going to put more pressure on the um the education system so get these teachers in get them trained properly uh re- reduce their workloads or or make it easier in whatever way we can so uh, we can educate the the young people of our country to you know so we can go forward and prosper. Very nice. I'm just while we're on it. What are your thoughts on uh, Dan Dan Andrews' uh, resignation? Um, well, I woke up one morning. I think I was in Colombia, and the first thing I saw was a picture of Dan. Um, well, a meme of Dan, and it said he was gone. And I thought it was a joke because everyone wanted him to leave for so long. But <laughs> it was true, so um, I was I was quite happy that he that he's gone. He's done enough damage to uh, the reputation of that state, I believe personally. So uh, le- let's see uh, what, uh, what what's ahead for the uh, state of, of Victoria. <laughs> I knew you'd love that one. All right. So I think we can close out that subject and uh, we'll move on to water cooler banter to finish us off. Sorry. Have you had time to, to get anything together for water cooler banter? Look, mate, the only thing I could think of was the Lions losing the grand final by four points uh, and how devastated I am and how I may never recover after that day. Uh, but there is always next year. I I just I just don't know how to feel. I, to be honest, I was glad I was not in Australia and I was a bit more disconnected from the whole thing because it didn't hurt as much as I thought it would. Possibly because it didn't feel real having no one else around me that cared. Because uh, when there's no atmosphere and I'm just watching on my phone from the middle of nowhere, it's it's not the same. Like it, it just doesn't have to say. Like obviously, I was upset, but it just—it was great not to, 
uh, have that really deep emotional connection for that week because I probably would have cried if I was at the game. <laughs> yeah, I went to um, I went to the Gabba. I went to the the pineapple next to the Gabba to watch oh, yeah. the game. Um, and it, the, the bar was absolutely stacked full of yeah. both Lions supporters uh, and Collingwood supporters. Mm. Um, it was it wasn't a good it was not a good atmosphere, <laughs> especially no. having the Collingwood supporters cheering and all you know happy for their win. It's just like just the pent up rage. <laughs> 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 and then we follow it on with a loss by the Broncos the following oh, no. day. Bad, bad weekend uh, for Queensland. All right. My water cooler banter is um, about a re- Australian real estate tycoon that you may have heard of, uh, Tim, Tim Gurner. Hmm. Have you heard of him? Yep. Yeah, I have, yeah. yeah so he's a bit of a wanker. Um, he's... <laughs> <laughs> so he, he, he went on record saying that uh, he wants... Uh, unemployment to increase by 40 to 50%. So see 200,000 people in Australia lose their jobs to reduce the arrogance in the employment market. <laughs> so he says okay. there's been Interesting. a systemic change where employees feel the employer is extremely lucky to have them. We need to remind people they work for the employer, not the other way around, was his statement. <laughs> so, look, I, I I sort of agree with that statement. You agree that part? I that part I sort of agree because I think we've got a lot of little fairies flying around thinking they own the place when really they're they're paid to do a job, uh, and if they can't do it, that's not the fault of the employer, and. They don't make the rules. I go into work and I get paid and I get told what to do because they pay my wage. They basically put food on the table for me and keep a roof over my head. So I think people are a bit special. I feel special. like employee, employees are now in a position where they've got better negotiating uh, ability than they have in the past because the demand for empl- a good employees is so high, right? So em- employment, unemployment's down. Um, you know, there's, there's more competition over those who are unemployed or looking for or looking for another job. So people are more demanding because they can be. They can be more demanding about what they get out of a job, their pay, um, having having the ability to work remotely or hybridly rather than just going into office full time. Um, I think I think it's. I think employees should utilize their uh, their newfound power to to get the best deal they possibly can from their employer because employees have been riding employees pretty hard over the past you know twenty years. Efficiency, a business efficiency, has gone through the roof, and wages have stayed stagnant. And now employers feel like employees aren't treating them with respect. It's like, come on. <laughs> it's been 20 years and, 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 and salaries have, have remained pretty stagnant. No, I, I agree with that. I, I agree salaries, uh, in, in a way, people are being taken for a ride with salaries, uh, especially with the larger corporates in Australia. Uh, that being salaries and pricing of their products. Uh, I think we've probably spoken about that at the time. So... But, but in terms of working conditions, I, I think unless you've got a reason to demand those things, you shouldn't be given them. If you're good at your job and, you know, you, you complete your job and you, you're worthwhile for the company to have around, by all means, get what you can uh, because good employees should. But I don't think everyone should um, have those those benefits given to them just on a silver platter because someone else has them. I think they should be reserved for the the best employees that uh, my company has. I think I think if you can negotiate for it, negotiate for it. I mean, oh, by all means, if you could do it, and if you if you're a horrible employee and he's dumb enough to give you more money and all these benefits, to go for it. Yeah, but, but I mean, it, yeah, but what? But but that's but that's what's the alternative? Like this, the people who who aren't able to negotiate aren't negotiating. 
So, I mean, this guy's commentary is really just around people who are trying to negotiate the best deal they possibly can. So, like I said, this guy's just a wanker. So, in 2017, <laughs> this is one of the guys saying um, people aren't able to buy their first homes because they were too busy buying smashed avocado for $19 and coffees for $4. Oh, so, he, he's, he's one of those guys like, <laughs> you know, you're spending too much on smashed av to buy your first home. He doesn't mention that he himself got a loan from his grandfather and former boss to get his own business started. So he's one of these he's one of these guys where it's like, you know, he's given life on a silver platter and now he's and now he, he just complains about the common man. That's the way I see it anyway. One of those blokes, eh? Yeah, yeah. So and he's yeah. he's also being sued now over a high rise that his his company built, which is like riddled with defects. So he's one of those guys <laughs> who runs a shit construction company as well. <laughs> probably drive probably drives around in a in a couple of nice supercars and has some drives a jag. Yeah. Yeah, and gets gets a couple of eight balls on the weekend. But uh <laughs> hey, he's he's having a good time, man. He's having a good time. <laughs> Anyway, yeah, so this Tim Garner guy, what an absolute tosser. Like, it's just, it's just, I can't believe that there's, like, so he, there was a bit more backlash as well. I mean, obviously there was backlash over his comments and he's since had to apologize. But um, he also had some issues with his own company where his own employees were freaking out because they thought they were going to get fired because of what this guy has been saying, you know, on Twitter and on interviews and stuff like that. <laughs> so he's just he's just a dickhead, an absolute dickhead. Uh, I got to love it. We, we, at least you, you got to have people like this in the world, otherwise we'd have nothing to talk about, Ruben. Well, that's true, that's true. But, but I mean, like, how does someone, like, how does someone so oblivious to the stuff they're saying, how do they, how do they rise to such a position? Like, this dude's like a multi-millionaire. It may, it may even be a billionaire. I'm not sure. I didn't look up his net worth, but he's extremely rich and he's, he's yep. building high rises. So his company's got to be relatively successful. How does he, how does his company and he himself reach this position when he's obviously such a knob? Well, how do people make money on TikTok for doing the dumbest things you've ever seen? Oh, that's true. That's true. <laughs> How many TikTok and Instagram millionaires are there where they're just they're the dumbest stuff ever, or they're like, and you're like, fuck, it's like I work my ass off, and you're sitting there stuffing your face with forty three hot dogs because people find it entertaining, and you're making more money than me. TikTokers are generally kids, though. This guy's like a forty year old man. <laughs> look, look, well done to him for making that much money. Uh, maybe just don't comment on things like you have been considering how you got to where you are. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that, 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 that concludes my water cooler banter. Um, cool. So I think we call it an episode there. See you later. Thanks, Ruben. See ya.